Hello and welcome to this week's Oxcast. It is the 21st of September. Also big news this week is it's Dave's last one. Before he goes into the wide world to smoke, comma, big. You're going to smoke big, smoke, <laughs> comma, big. <laughs> we were trying to collect a list of things that Dave does in podcasts. He really likes the word coo, so watch out for that. He likes clicking his fingers to make a point. And unfortunately, that was the end of the list. Mm. Also, something you won't get from listening is that he has a way of staring vacantly at a point on the wall while he's speaking, as if he's addressing an audience of gathered dignitaries. Mm. You do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. This week, I'll be talking about ghost hunting. Dave will be talking about spies and disgusting creatures together, I hope. But first, here's Katie on the Tame Food Festival. Yes, so this weekend I'm very excited. It's the Tame Food Festival. I'm not going to lie, I've been looking forward to this since last year. It's in the lovely market town of Tame, where I happen to live. So what I love about Tame Food Festival is the fact that it's free. Like most food festivals, you do have to pay entrance fee and you might not get any free samples, but... Tame Food Festival is just fantastic because you just wander around the town and eat as much as you can. How food festival is meant to be. Exactly. So the stalls are full of local restaurants and independent food sellers um, and they're exhibiting the best of their menus. So you've got fresh produce from local butchers, bakers, farmers, breweries. Candlestick uh, makers? No, I sadly know. You can't eat a candlestick, Dave. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> as well as food stores where you can buy street food. So last year I had a lot of churros and delicious dumplings and taste to bear. And this year, um, The Works, which is in Aylesbury, um, is coming. They make the best waffles and ice cream flavors I've ever had. So extra excited this year. Um, As well as all this, there are famous chefs wandering about, which is always good for a laugh. Which ones? Well, we've got um, Raymond Blanc, as per. You always see him wandering Staple. about. Exactly. When do you say wandering about? No, genuinely. You see them walking about. It's great. Mm. That's very cool. Yeah. Are uh, they sampling the food or just kind of mainly... They have a selfie stick and just take it with everyone. That'd be fun, <laughs> wouldn't it? Famous, That'd be useful. If a famous chef just went around a food festival taking selfies with the public and then posted them all to Instagram. That'd be lovely. Maybe we should encourage mm. them. I'll mm. ask. <laughs> There's loads of Bake Off, um, ex-Bake Off bakers and some MasterChef winners. Um, but most excitingly, there's Nadia Hussein, who was the winner of Bake Off last year and is a total babe. A national treasure. Yes. <laughs> She'll be interviewed on the baking stage as well as doing a book signing later on. But for those keen amateur bakers, there's also the Big Tame Bake, where you can submit a baked good say a victoria sponge or a gluten-free bake um to the expert panel of judges and if you are selected as the winner you could win food processor from KitchenAid or a couple of signed recipe books will nadia be judging i don't think she is but one of i think one or two of the other ex-bake-off people are mary berry well mary (laughs) mary berry has got her food stand there so you can go see what mary likes to eat yeah, I know, but right. Mary herself won't be there. It's not confirmed. Mm. You have to go to find oh, out. I yeah. hear there's going to be a guest appearance from one of her blazers. Mm. <laughs> mm. And Paul's piercing blue eyes will make an appearance. 
witches on their own disembodied yeah that'd be terrifying <laughs> <laughs> there's a park and ride service available from tame showground so don't try and park in town it just won't be possible and uh there's a shuttle bus going to and from the food festival so you've got no excuse really so that's tame food festival on saturday it starts at 9am i'll see you there and ends at 5pm this week's music roundup a uh, bunch of stuff going on there's lots of fun stuff actually um so whiz through a couple of things rap boy will be at the o2 on friday at 6 30. rap boy is an up-and-coming um indie hip-hop star apparently um although i suppose you could describe him that way it's got a his stuff has a homemade feel to it the samples are quite rickety i suppose um almost it's got a comic book feel which is fun more locally on saturday uh, the g's are doing a gig they've been around for ages they're a band a kind of world music collective world dance collective uh crazy improvised percussive they describe themselves as but all the key founding members their names begin with g so gordon plays the bagpipes Gareth plays the drums, Giles plays the tablet, and it goes on and on. But they do have members that have names not beginning with G now, I think. But well-known for raucous, big, loud, fun things. Um, so that's at the Jericho Tavern on Saturday. Also, on Saturday night, well, Saturday day, Psychedelic Circus. Um, this is a 12-hour psychedelia oh. happening. Oh. Uh, with live music, cabaret, DJs, films, light shows and installations. Um, at the cellar, it's run by a group called Lucid. Um, if you've been around for long enough on the Oxford clubbing scene, Lucid formed from a night at the Coven, who did sidetrance stuff uh, for a long, long time, about you know, five years, ten years, something like that. But after the closing of Coven, they tried to find or struggled to find another place, another warehouse type of space. Not many sidetrancey sort of venues in Oxford. Really, there aren't. <laughs> um, well, so they kind of alternate between the cellar and they tried once in Wahoo, I think, but um, didn't Not go down very well. Wahoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found a poster the other day for one of the um, like psychedelic raves that was hosted on Port Meadow in the eighties. Um, being headlined by the Magic Mushroom Band, um, <laughs> and a band called um, Osric Tentacles, who are like an old school West Country uh, psychedelic rock band who I recently saw at Glastonbury, and like they are still doing the same thing, <laughs> Re- really the same as like I think it was exactly the same as they were doing in the early seventies, probably. They probably think it's still the seventies. Yeah. But yeah, that'll be fun. It starts at three p.m. and goes to three a.m. So you've got to really be in the zone at the beginning of it. But maybe, I think that's probably the point, though. If you turn up right at the beginning, then it's very much an experience as you move on through. Mm. Bit of a change. On Tuesday, uh, Karen Matheson is doing a solo concert. She is the voice from the Celtic supergroup Kappa Kaylee, um, who many people may know, many people may have studied at Music GCC. Um, <laughs> which they were Naming no names. To <laughs> um... I didn't actually. Oh. Uh, I was glad not to, to happen upon them in different ways. But they were a late 90s, early noughties, techno Celtic fusion band. So a bit like Peak Bog Fairies, uh, Afro Celt Sound System, that kind of thing. More traditional, I suppose. And so Karen Madison has really gone down the properly trad route. Um, and she's now released her fourth album, that was the end of last year, called Urim. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're more very, really traditional Celtic stuff, perhaps a kind of Americana influence along the way. But no, she's very, very good. And that's at the North Wall on Tuesday at 8pm and tickets are £16, £13 concessions. Also happening this week, books. Books are happening. Lots and lots of them. 
On Thursday evening, Oxford's two main central bookshops are putting on literary panel events in what we're calling a lit-off. That sounds like it's going to be so lit. Well lit. Eh? Uh, so first of all, at Waterstones, Ian Sinclair is chairing a panel on the theme of reality versus fiction, exploring what it means to say when something is based on real events and where that leaves a role for the imagination and poetic license. So the panel members are going to be Joanna Cavenna, um, whose most recent book is called A Field Guide to Reality, and it imagines a parallel version of Oxford where a professor has created a manual for fixing existential angst. Heavy stuff. Um, also, Benjamin Markovitz. Is it a fictionalised work? Yeah. Parallel version of Oxford. Yeah. I'm curious. It's not a field guide at all then, because you're not in reality while you're reading about See, reality. These are, the, these are the kind of paradoxes that you'll be learning about. Um <laughs> Also, uh, Benjamin Markovitz, whose most recent book is about gentrification of Detroit. And uh, Gabriel Josephowski, who rose to fame with his first book, a collection of short stories called The Mobius Stripper. Um, (laughs) So it's going to be a bunch of intellectual heavyweights all sparring for your benefit. Um, Tickets are £5. Doors open at 7.30. Turn up for an 8pm start. Um, Whenever people talk about intellectual sparring, I can only ever imagine people with enormous heads banging them against each other. <laughs> like it's all like stags, like doing battle. Yeah, or like bull exactly. elephants or something. Um, yeah, the same night, Blackwell's on Broad Street is hosting a panel show edition of the literary game Ex Libris, which asks players to come up with convincing but false first and last lines for famous English novels. Um, on the panel, there's going to be Sidney Paula author of the steampunk graphic novel The Thrilling Adventures of Lovelace and Babbage. Uh, plus there's going to be one of QI's literary elves, the people who do all the research for those quite interesting facts. Um, he's called Andrew Hunter-Murray. There's also going to be Andy Robb, author of Geekhood, Close Encounters of the Girl Kind. And Tim Fitzhigham, the guy who has a world record for rowing a bath across the English Channel. Has he written a book? Uh, you'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have other people tried to beat him? Unconfirmed. <laughs> it's worth bearing in mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure whether he hosts the world record for speed of rowing a bath across the English Channel Just or for rowing a bath across the English <laughs> Channel. <laughs> he deserves something. A world record. <laughs> I think what actually happened is he wrote a book about his experience of rowing a bath across the English Channel. Quite hard, I mm. imagine. No doubt. Anyway, so there should be some good laughs. There'll be some wordplay, puns and, you know, fork-tongued wit. Tickets are only £3 and things kick off at 7pm. Go to that! On to theatre now. The Dead Secrets are a well-known comedy troupe in Oxford. You might have seen them in such shows as Hickory Dickory Murder, um, an improvised murder mystery, which usually has the setting and the characters suggested by audience members. Their latest touring production is called The Curiositorium, which is a mysterious museum Uh, which contains countless exhibits of wonder and terror, which has lain dormant for years, hidden beneath a more socially acceptable museum. Yeah, I think that about sums it up. (laughs) Show Um, hidden beneath a socially acceptable (laughs) theatre. Yeah, basically. I saw a sneak peek of it at Live Friday last Halloween, and it was fantastic. And I managed to speak to Nathan and Ida from The Dead Secrets and ask them how they came up with the show. It came from, uh, again, the, the kind of wish to do something slightly different to what we were doing. So our first sketch show was all kind of independent sketches, a very regular sketch show. And then we thought we wanted to write something that had more of a... It was still a sketch show, but had 
a kind of overarching narrative. So we can't quite I remember where the idea for no. this. The characters seem to some of the characters seem to appeared in appear in other things, and they just we just expanded them, and then they seem to fit together into this kind of museum atmosphere. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just built built it around that. So we spent many many months writing sort of different different sketches and, and things and trying to place them in this weird and wonderful world and, and the fact that it's a museum within a museum means that you have the opportunity to have loads of different exhibits and characters and things like that but again within a within a confined space and um, so there were, that was originally a two-hour show mm -hmm. the first time we did it and then we cut it down made it much slicker cut things out changed things made an hour show which we've since taken to Edinburgh Buxton Brighton and here in Oxford again so this is really kind of the last hurrah for that show for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so taking it out with a bang before yeah. we kind of keep developing our new stuff. So the, the new show that we're writing for the, the museum and also touring with, with Hickory Dickory Murder and other shows that we've got in the pipeline that we're developing at the moment. But if you've seen the Curiositorium before, this is still, it's still going to be different. Things have always changed every time we do it. Uh, we're just constantly revising things. So. Yeah, come again. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Listen to the full interview to hear more about their next show, as well as hearing them take part in a Dead Secrets themed quiz, which I surprised them with. You can see the Curiositorium next Friday at the Old Fire Station. It starts at 7.30pm. Tickets are £12 or £10 for concessions. And you can also catch them on the 22nd of October at the... Oxford University Museum of Natural History performing Nature, an authorised biography. I've been assured that dinosaurs will be taking part in this performance. So next up, the roundup of uh, the family-friendly events going on in Oxford this weekend. Um, on this Saturday, the 24th of September, the Story Museum is doing a celebration for kids of all things creepy, crawly, fluttery and slithery. There are a couple of events to mention. At 11 o'clock, children's storyteller Alex Konefsky is doing storytelling on the theme Revolting Beasts. Pitching questions like, why is the cockroach? What are all those slugs doing in my bathroom? And most important of all, <laughs> that's according to the website. How do you um, spell it? Uh, oh, well, no. So this, this is spelled U-U-A-U-U-U-A-U-U-G-R-U-G-H. Wow. I think you'll find um, it's free if you get a regular ticket to the museum, um, so go on over to that and learn about slime. Uh, then at 1pm there is an interactive performance of original stories exploring every nook, cranny, scuttle and flap of some disgusting creatures. It's a bit mysterious exactly what happens, you'll need to go to find out. Uh, but it's part inspired by various different animal creation myths. Loads of uh, different cultures have creation myths that involve animals. Um, in one Hindu creation story, for example... Um, the universe began when Vishnu was asleep in the coils of a giant cobra, and then a lotus flower grew out of his navel um, and gave birth to the god Brahma, who then created the universe. Um, whereas in the Native American Iroquois mythology, the world was created on the back of a giant turtle. Um, also, think, um, writing about this has uh, made me think about uh, how much ch children's literature is uh, like about bugs and creepy crawlies and insects and things that slither and crawl. Um, there's Charlotte's Web, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and The Very Hungry Caterpillar, absolute classic, which absolutely. has apparently sold 30 million copies worldwide. Wow. Um, and how many... Well, I, I owned... Um, I grew Butterflies as a child. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, caterpillars delivered in the post. They got very hungry, ate, and then became butterflies. And then they went away, and, and you learn about life and about the circle of life. Life and, and the and fleeting loss. nature of hope. <laughs> That's Good. Mike, and everybody. You can't hold on to <laughs> Cheery Mike. You, love. you have to let it be free. Yeah, it's the, it's the moral of the story, really. Um, there was a year in the late 90s when um, Ants and a Bug Life came out at oh. pretty much the same time. Good year. Um, it was a really good year um, with Ants, uh, I think Woody Allen's only cartoon venture, where he really broke character to play a neurotic, nervous, unathletic <laughs> ant. Um, <laughs> and then A Bug's Life, of course, was the uh, creepy crawly take on The Seven Samurai. Um, Insectopia. I don't know that one. Was that? That was in Ants. That's what they were looking for, Insectopia. Oh, I've forgotten it. The, the main things I remember are Woody Allen's character because it was like such a Woody Allen character, and also the like really terrifying fight scene with the termites. That was oh, really, really scary. Scary. really yeah. scary because they you know spat like acid and it was massive, and they like just laid waste to a whole army of ants. Yeah, yeah, brutal. brutal. Oh yeah, when he's holding the guy's head. Yeah. So sad because his his yeah. his mates like the jock. Yeah, and Woody Allen only survives because he's buried under the carcasses of loads oh. of other ants. Yeah. You learn about life from that as well, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it was a difficult time. <laughs> um, the other one I thought of was um, the scene in The Lion King where um, Simba like reaches maturity um, through a process of Timon and Pumbaa making him eat bugs, um, and that teaches him Hakuna Matata. And also no worries. He reached maturity via witnessing the death of his father. I think that helped as well. Yeah, that as well, but <laughs> <laughs> mainly the bugs. I think yeah. really looking at Simba's later physique, that's a real testament to the nutritious power of bugs. Mm. Mm. Slimy yet satisfying. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Proteinous. Mm. Yeah, um, as, as as Timon says... Um, Proterific. <laughs> uh, they're the little cream-filled kind. They're delicacies. Um, some of which are umami with a very satisfying crunch. I listened to the video earlier. I can't remember any of the other ones, but... Some great looking bugs in there. Really, really good. Mm. They find them on a nice log. Anyway, tickets for the disgusting creature storytelling are £7, uh, £5 for kids. Um, and that starts at 1pm on the Saturday. Go to that. Cool. So if bugs aren't your vibe, how about spies? Um, Science Oxford is hosting a spy school at the Oxford Centre for Innovation on New Road near the castle this coming Saturday for kids between the ages of 5 and 12. Um, so there are three events going on over the course of the day. They're all pitched to different age groups, um, but they all involve cold cracking, problem solving, and other fun James Bondery, although hopefully without the Aston Martins and casual misogyny. Um, so that is this Saturday the 24th. Um, events start at 10am and they finish up at 4. Tickets are £8 per child, and if you're an accompanying adult, you get in free. So the company Ghostly Investigations is holding an overnight stay, almost overnight stay, at the Oxford Castle. Uh, which sounds lots of fun, actually. It's a longer event than normal, because it's starting at 8.30 and ending up at 2am. Um, and you're going to get to go around the whole castle. You get to see the tower, the prison, D-Wing prison, uh, two floors of the debtor's tower, the well chamber in the castle mound, punishment cells in the exercise yard. Um, so loads of gruesome. Which, I mean, it sounds like a bit of fun. They, yeah. they, they have a list of the equipment they bring along. They've got, you know, cameras, uh, including full-spectrum cameras. Well, naturally. Naturally, to capture the entire spectrum. A voice recorder, infrared thermometers, which you point out and they tell you the temperature. Uh, Electromagnetic field meters. 
Very important. It's very important. Uh, the description of those is you go near a plug socket and they'll they'll skip around and beep. And then if they do it anywhere else, it's probably paranormal activity. No wires in the walls or anything. But also, they use divining rods. And I was trying to prove today in the office that divining rods do work. <laughs> those are those um, you know metal rods you hold one in either hand and they swing together when they come over water or paranormal things or archaeological remains. The US Geological Survey don't really say they work. Um, they do say they don't work. How were your experiments today? My experiments today failed, but that was because of... Inconclusive. Inconclusive because of subpar More equipment. research needed. Yeah. More research needed. The British Dowsing Association stand by it very steadfastly that dowsing and divining do work. Mm. So... <laughs> so views differ, really. Views differ, views differ, and there's no proper no opinion. No consensus. No consensus mm. yet, so we can only say that they probably do work. Mm. Give it the benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but this ghost night uh, at the Oxford Castle, they do lots of events all over the country in um, castles and prisons and... Pubs. Pubs, theatres. Uh, they're very experienced and they're, they're meant to be very good and very creepy. And you may get a tap on the shoulder from a ghost. You may have a disgusted feeling. Or These are the kind of things I hear. Yeah. Uh, but I was looking up ghost stories from the Oxford Castle. Oh, yeah. oh, very good. So, the murderer Mary Blandy. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was executed at the castle in 1752. She's meant to be seen about sometimes, uh, especially around the mound oh, yeah. and, and on the mound. What was she killed for? Didn't look that up. Bad research. And it's her ghost that people believe to have seen in the area where she would have been hanged. So there you go. Uh, sometime in the 1970s, a group was carrying out a seance in one of the cells when poltergeist activity suddenly erupted. Things got so bad that a priest had to be called to exercise whatever they had been they had awoken. Was it around the time the exorcist came out? I, I can only assume. So, uh, <laughs> Sometimes a white mist has been reported rising up a flight of stairs only to disappear once it reaches the top. I think it's probably the security guards having a smoke. And uh, disembodied footsteps are often heard around the prison wing corridor. Mm. That's quite a common one. It's quite a common one, hearing people walking around. Yeah, yeah. These, are yeah. cla- these are classic haunting stories, aren't they? They really are. Yeah. Ghosts, it turns out, don't have much imagination. No, they should be more creative. They, more them. pranks. They should do. Have you <laughs> read um, uh, um, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency? No. There's a character who's a ghost in that, and um, he's... I can't remember what he's trying to do, but uh, basically he's trying to do normal things mm. and he his consistency is such that he just sometimes can grip things, sometimes can't, comes in waves and so. So he's very uncontrolled. Mm. And so he'll smash things and close doors by accident, but he'll try and grip things or drop mm. a phone or whatever. And yeah, so all ghostly poltergeist activity is really just ghost clumsiness. Clumsiness. Oh, yeah. It's not easy oh. being undead. <laughs> See, for example, Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. That is, yeah, tough life. Really tough. Living in the toilet. Yeah, chatting up teenagers. And if it goes to things, Halloween isn't too far away, a month and a half, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Find your costume on the clothes and accessories page. Lots of weird, wonderful stuff from the 70s, which could make something. And you can subscribe to the podcast on our website. And don't forget to follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Daily Info Oxford.